thank you so much for joining us for our worship. We're so glad to be with you. And uh, I pray that you've been able to freely worship in your home today or your car or wherever you are. The Spirit of God is faithful. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And there's no question that God is here in his house with me, in your house with you, in your car, in your yard, wherever you may be. Just want to say thank you once again for your faithfulness and what God is doing. I want to pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word. Lord, the church has not been shut down, nor has it been silenced. But God, you have called us as your people to engage the community around us, and we have been forced to do so. And so, God, I thank you for this opportunity, as frustrating as it may be at times. Thank you. I pray, God, that you would just help us as we share your word today. That the message would be your message. That our hearts would be in tune and open to what you have to say to us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the very beginning when God created us, he made in the book of Genesis, you know the account, Adam and Eve. And if you look at the creation story in the account, you'll notice that God placed them in the Garden of Eden and that God would visit them in the Garden. He was there in a daily presence for a relationship with them. When Adam and Eve decided to do things their way and not God's way, sin entered the world. Sin is and will be always separation. So not only did sin separate Adam and Eve from their pre-existing relationship with God, as death entered the world, it killed the relationship that we had been made for. And you'll notice when you read that creation account that when sin entered, Adam and Eve knew they were naked and they put fig leaves upon themselves to cover themselves. Therefore, not only did it separate them from God, but it separated them from one another. Sin is a separator as a divider. And so when we can consider this and we think about this, then when God showed up on the scene, as he always does, Adam and Eve not only had put fig leaves to hide from one another, but the creation account in Genesis and the account establishing where sin entered the world tells us that Adam and Eve ran and hid in the garden to try and hide from God's presence. You see... Sin was now born in the heart of those who were intended to have relationship. But sin caused separation. And therefore, when the presence of God was present, they knew, were ashamed, and were in fear, and therefore ran to hide from God. It's amazing that we in our human flesh think that we can hide from God but people still think we can hide from God. As we then revisit this again in the Scriptures, we know that God established a sacrificial system that required a life to pay for sin because sin brought death. Life was in the blood, therefore blood had to be shed to pay the penalty of sin. And therefore the sacrificial system was established right there in the garden in the very beginning. 
We see it being practiced before the law was given to Moses and to the children of Israel. Now, in that initial conversation, God had promised a deliverer. (laughs) Thank you, God. See, God had a plan for our brokenness and our separation. Later, as you read through Scripture in Genesis, you'll find centuries later that God made a covenant with Abraham that he would establish a nation through him and through these people, he would send forth the deliverer. We know it's Jesus. As this covenant is made by God and it begins, we see then the people in Egypt, like God said would happen, they would spend 400 years there and they did. And then God sets them free and delivers them and Moses leads them out. Now, Here's the thing that happened as we continue on in this little journey. As God brings the children of Israel and Moses to the mountain, God establishes formal religious worship. Prior to this, there was worship and there was a sacrificial system, but it was not organized in detail until this moment in history. And God himself established a religious practice of worship. Please, hear me, because so many people today say that they don't like religion. I want you to know why, and we're going to learn some things from God today to help us in understanding the difference between what it is to be religious and to have a religious relationship with God. And so as we see this unfold before us, God himself established and organized religious practice for those who would follow him. He is very detailed in everything that he does. If you would read in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then again Deuteronomy as it reiterates the law of God, you will see that God is extremely detailed in his call to his people and those who would serve him in their religious practices of worship. However, one of the things that we have screwed up in the process is that we have seen religion as the access to God rather than God's invitation to us to practice religion for a relationship. And therein lies the huge difference between what we attempt to do as humans in religious practice of a coming before God for Him and instead of embracing religious practice as relationship. In the detailed accounts of God's giving of all that he had planned, we find that the establishment of a house of God, the tabernacle is what it was called in the beginning. So in this giving by God, this specific instructions of the tabernacle, You're going to get on your screen an open side cutout of the tabernacle that will be appearing. I think I'm going to disappear so you don't have to see me so much. I've been seeing too much of me through the week in the devotionals. So here's your little pause and break, but you have to listen. In Exodus chapters 25 through 31, God gave these detailed instructions for the building of the tabernacle, which would be the place that the people who were following God would come to bring their sacrifices, their offerings, and come to make their relationship right with God. However, God never intended for them to simply visit the tabernacle and then go on with life. The purpose of the invitation to come 
was to always be present understanding there was a price to pay for a relationship with God and they were to live that relationship at home. Now, as you view that cutaway, you can see that there was an outer courtyard. I'm not sure if the courtyard's on your picture. It doesn't matter. We're going to talk about the tabernacle. So there was a surrounding wall that was tents. All of this was God's design for a tear-down, carry-with-you house of God. A lot of you guys that are church planters understand what that's all about. But they had to travel with this church every place that God would lead them by the pillar of fire by night and cloud by day, and they would set up God's house wherever they were. Now, as you look at this, you'll see in the, the cutout that when you enter the holy place, there's the menorah, which were the candles, the table of shewbread, and in front of the holy of holies, which is that curtain you see that separates the bigger space from the small space, is the altar of incense. So the priests, and they had to be of the, the Levitical descendants of Aaron, they would go into that holy place throughout the year performing various actions of worship before God. Now, they could not enter the most holy place, which is that place behind the curtain that has what is called the Ark of the Covenant in it. Only the high priest of that year was allowed to access the most holy place or the holy of holies and that would be only one time a year with the sacrifice of atonement when he would enter the most holy place with the blood of the sacrifice of atonement he would approach that ark of the covenant that you see in there and inside of that box type table that looks like the ark of the covenant well it is the ark of the covenant inside of it God had instructed Moses to place the Ten Commandments that God wrote with his own fingers, the rod of Aaron that sprouted. If you know your Bible, you know that God was distinguishing Aaron's family as the high priest descendants. And that was to be placed in the Ark of the Covenant, and there was a bowl of manna, the provision of God. Now, when that stuff was inside of the Ark of the Covenant, then the top was placed on it that has the cherub angels with their wings over it, that place that is below the angel's wings and covering of the commandments and all that is below is called the mercy seat, and that's where the high priest would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice of atonement. Now, on the next screen, you'll see an overhead, like a simple little diagram of what the tabernacle looked like, where you can see the holy place and the holy of holies. And you'll notice the curtain that gave an access to the holy place and then a separate curtain that entered the holy of holies. If you've been around the church for any time, you know that we in the church have used this very same structure of building, even in the modern churches all around, up until recent times, where now we've changed a little bit of the look, although we go with the same generic idea. And you will know that if you're in a church, you usually, as a congregation, are sitting in the holy place. And then the pastor is on a platform raised up, and it's in a place that would be called the Holy of Holies, which is where the pastor will preach the message from as God's voice coming from the Holy of Holies into the holy place to the people. All right. So now, 
I know as a kid growing up in the church that we weren't allowed on the platform. Uh, kids running around. Now we don't want them up here just because of the instruments. But we, we look at this and say in the church, I'm talking about as a church community, as a holy place. We view the church building as a holy place. Now stay with me. Once King David became king and God had established the nation of Israel and David had built a palace for himself, was living in Jerusalem, his heart was struck with the fact that he was living in a palace and God was still dwelling in a tent. And so David's heart was stirred to build a house for God. He was also just an awesome guy with his heart, man. And he wanted to build this place for God. And so God spoke to him through the prophet Nathan. And uh, I believe it was Nathan that came and talked to him. That's just going off my memory. But the prophet came and said, David, you're a man of war, a man of blood, and a man with the sword. Therefore, God says, you cannot build my house, but your son will build it for me. And so David began to lay aside finances, gold, silver, bronze, and began to put things together for his son Solomon to be able to build God's house. So the next diagram you have in front of you is Solomon's temple. There was nothing like it. When you look at that diagram, I want you to know this was created by humans, of course, so just trying to give things, and not everything's in detail. The structure is, and that's the main thing I want you to see. As we consider the layout and understanding of how both the tabernacle and the temple were part of our worship of God, you'll see that that big pool of water was out there, and then the altar of sacrifice, which is the fire. So before the priests would enter the holy place, they would put their hands in the water and wash themselves, ceremonially cleaning themselves, understanding that they needed to be clean before they came in the house of God. They would also offer the sacrifices on the fire before they would enter into the holy place. Now, you know that there are certain churches that may practice some of these things still today. And we want you to know that some of the ideas are okay. I want you to stay and understand this of what we do because we already understand that the act of baptism is very much in line with what God was talking about in cleansing ourselves with the water to come into his presence. Now, we see that in the tabernacle and in the temple itself, there was a veil separating the Holy of Holies from the most holy place. Same Ark of the Covenant was in the temple as was in the, the tabernacle. So now get this in your mind. When the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, which in the Hebrew, I believe it's called, or maybe in the, the Greek, I'm not sure which, it's the Shekinah glory or the very presence or essence of God was there above the Ark of the Covenant. Now, that veil that was there to separate the holy place from the holy of holies and then the rest of the people outside of the building altogether were separations telling us that we could not come before God because of the sin that we have in our lives that we not only have committed, but we are born into. Now, Sin is a separator. It separated us from the relationship with God. It separates from a relationship with one another 
in the intention of God's design, which is a relationship that is based in love that is impossible without God's presence for God is love. Therefore, there is no relationship of truth unless it is based in God. And therefore, this sin that separates is still affecting humans in their relationship and our relationship with God. But let's talk about the tangible barrier that was present, that veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. A couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Easter and we celebrated Good Friday and the death of Jesus Christ at the Passover. And you know this as you read the Easter account, the celebration of Jesus' death and resurrection. Mark 15 records these words for us as we read them. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. See, what God was doing was fulfilling his promise of entering back into and making a relationship possible for us that he had planned for us in his original design. God himself we separated ourselves from him and so God made a way to remove the barrier that we might enter into relationship with him once again. Jesus Christ being the final sacrifice and God has made himself accessible to us. Now hear me please and I don't want you to be offended. I want you to hear what God's word says and the practice of our faith, what it means to have relationship, what it means to worship and what it means to come to God. We no longer have to come to a priest, a pastor, or a clergy member to have access to God. I mentioned something about this in my uh, Be the Church video series, that oftentimes people come and ask me, I, I want to pray for you, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I have a, it's a privilege to pray for you, but sometimes people think that because I'm a pastor, that I have a better access to God for their prayers. Here's what we need to see in God's word. See, we no longer need a human being to intercede for us. What God did was rip that veil and he made himself available to us. All of us. No longer are we needing a high priest or a descendant of Aaron or any other descendant of any other group to intercede for us. We have one who intercedes for all of us and it is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, as we look in God's word, I want you to see in Hebrews chapter 10, these words from God speaking to us as the church and in our practice of our faith, how we worship him and serve him. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. <laughs> Man, if you read that Old Testament law, there were sacrifices for every single thing you could ever imagine. But God tells us now there is one sacrifice and it has been given. And once we come to the Father for forgiveness and the blood of Christ is applied, our sins are forgiven. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Man, think about what that's saying. Look what God painted a picture for us in. The old covenant was to illustrate something to us about coming into God's presence. The fact that you could not come into his presence without that specific sacrifice. Now that specific sacrifice has been made. It is Jesus Christ, the final sacrifice. And God is telling us that we, through his word, 
have knowledge and understanding that I myself, you yourself, every one of you can come before God in that most holy place, which is the place where God is. That's amazing. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. (laughs) Hallelujah, man. Thank you, Jesus. I know that if you guys were joining me here in this building to worship, we'd be given a standing ovation of praise to God. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ has made a way. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way. No more an empty religious practice of continual sacrifice, but a new life-giving way. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Man, is that awesome. Look at that picture we were just painted about how God has transformed the old covenant into a brand new way of a living relationship with Him. That one that He planned for us in the very beginning is now open to us and available for us to have that kind of a relationship with God. Everyone has access to the Holy of Holies. The barrier of sin has been removed by the blood of Jesus Christ and it is only through Jesus Christ that we now have access to God the Father. Which is why the Scriptures tell us we have a great high priest. It is Jesus who is interceding before the throne for you and I. Now, I want to I challenge you Christian brothers and sisters that we have access to the Creator of the universe an open door through Jesus Christ the veil has been opened that you and I have this access and I want you to know that oftentimes we either take advantage of it take it for granted or neglect it being with God relationship with God is not just for when we assemble as the church it's for everyday life that's the way God always intended it you see he met with Adam and Eve in the garden That means He wants to be with you at work, school, your home, in your vehicle, wherever you may be. God intends to have relationship with you where you are. And that relationship is now available through Jesus Christ. It's not just available at God's house. (laughs) Thank you, God. This is why the Hebrew writer says, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him, that Him is Jesus, our interceding high priest. Let's go right into the presence of God. I want you to know wherever you are right now, you are in the presence of the living God. And it's been made available to us because of Jesus. See, what God invited us into is a free relationship of worship that is relational every day of our life, that incorporates actions and living into this relationship. Now, what the church has struggled with since the day of Pentecost till today 
and will continue to struggle with until we see the truth of God's word is how we have attempted to bring some of the old stuff into the new way we live. See, humans still have this idea in our minds that we need to do something to earn God's favor. We need to deserve to be allowed access to him. And the truth is, God's word tells us there's nothing we can do. Nor can we earn God's favor. It has been granted to us through Jesus Christ, and therefore we have this free access to God our Father because of an invitation from Him. Many in the religious world, and I want you to hear me correctly in all this, please. When we are performing religious duty, it is absence of relationship. And what I just said was religious duty. When we practice religious worship, it brings about relationship. There is a difference. All right. So now, some have tried to bring some of the old covenant ideology and practices into the new covenant. It was happening in the Bible. Many of the, uh, the pastoral writings and uh, the epistles that are written are challenging the church to live in the freedom of Christ and stop allowing the bondage of old covenant to affect their free and great relationship that has been provided through Jesus Christ. Let us look into the scriptures and see something here that just addresses this issue that is common even in many churches today. Colossians chapter 2. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for He forgave all your sins. Hallelujah. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ Himself is that reality. Now, before we read any further, you got to hear that. Listen, it says religious people are trying to put this stuff on you that God doesn't want you to live in or under. You don't have to practice all that stuff to have access to God and have relationship with Him anymore. He said those things that you used to do were a shadow of what was to come. And the reality is that Jesus is that reality. He is no longer the shadow. He's the light. He is the answer. Therefore, we have entire like groups of people that think you can only meet on Saturday because it's the Sabbath. God's Word tells us it's not about that. Don't let anyone condemn you for not worshiping on X day. Don't think you have to do certain things or not eat certain foods. I mean, I hear all this stuff going on. People saying we're supposed to eat like the law. We're supposed to eat like Garden of Eden. No, we're not. Read your Bible. God says that you can receive everything with thanksgiving. It's a relationship with Him is not bound by what we do or don't eat. It's not about how we live on, worship Him on certain days or holy festivals or any of that stuff. Let's read God's Word further. For these are rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ Himself is that reality. 
Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying they've had a vision about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. They are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. Man, let's just let pause and let that sink in. Man, just going to check myself before I speak. If you go on social media and you go on YouTube and stuff, you can find all kinds of messages from people that say they hear from God to tell you stuff. Look in God's Word. It's not about pious self-denial. It's about, not about what I do or don't do and how I conduct myself in a way that afflicts myself so I can be acceptable to God. It's not about spiritual beings praying to anyone else other than God the Father through Jesus Christ. Look, man, it's God's Word. There's sinful minds. Whose minds? The ones that are instructing people about this way of living in this certain ways to access God or to earn His favor or to be acceptable, to be righteous. Their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For He holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ and He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Man, is that powerful. (laughs) Man, when you look at that and you see what God was speaking to us about, He was like, look, that old covenant law that showed you how broken and messed up you were and you brought the continual sacrifices and you had to continue to bring them because of your broken, sinful ways. No matter what you practiced or how you did it, you could not live it right. Say, why would you think that now you're going to do that the way that the old covenant teaches it? And why would we allow people to instruct us in certain behaviors or conducts or food items or, or dress or dates? to give us this access to God. We're not only free from the old law, but the presence of God that once dwelled behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies. Listen, this is amazing. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God enters a relationship with you, but not only that, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. That is why in God's Word it tells us that our body is the temple of God for now that presence of God that once lived behind the Holy of Holies dwells in the heart and life of a believer. God's very presence is in us. That's amazing. Our body now becomes the temple of the living God, the living church. The religious laws of humanity provide nothing in our relationship with God. Now, there are things that God has asked us to do in conducting as a body. Absolutely. One of the things He's told us is that we need to come together as the church. But one of our problems is we have adapted, I'm talking to Christians now, and we have adapted the idea of God's house being God's place. 
This is where the family of God assembles to learn to live the, the life that God's called us to live, be instructed in his teachings, but then to go outside and live it. For many decades, we in the church would approach the church dressed in different clothes, acting differently than we do outside in our life. So therefore, we were adapting to the old covenant ideas of God's presence being in church, but not outside of that. And what God is telling us is He is everywhere with us at all times. And therefore, we need to conduct ourselves in the house of God like we do outside the house of God. So this freedom and this relationship with God through Jesus Christ does not mean I can simply do whatever I want. We have to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit reveals in our heart through the New Testament, New Covenant. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from your obligation to do right. And what was the result? This is Romans 6. You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and you have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm running out of time. So it's just like when you guys are here. <laughs> Man, you're free from the power of sin. You're not a slave to it anymore. You're God's slaves. You live differently. The scriptures tell us the obvious change in our life once we receive Jesus Christ as Savior, this free gift that he gives to us changes who we are. We're not living the old life anymore. We live a new life that is available through Christ, and it's a life we live all the time, not just at church. We have passed through the veil, Jesus Christ, into the very presence of God, and now we live in this relationship that God intended in the beginning everywhere. All right, better do my action steps. Here's the first question I would ask you in the action steps. Do you know you are forgiven of your sins that you have been saved? If you don't, today's the day. Please reach out to us. Let us know if you would pray this prayer and accept Christ as your Savior today. We want to help you grow in your relationship. If you don't know Him, you must know Him. For it is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone we have access to God. It is only through that relationship that we'll ever enter into eternity with Him in heaven above. <laughs> How, now, will you regularly take advantage of your access to God? What are you going to do? You've been given free access to the Creator of the universe. How will you take advantage of it today? How are you going to take advantage of it this week? I don't mean take advantage of God. I'm saying take advantage of your living access of relationship with the Creator of the universe. Stop putting him into compartments of your life and begin to embrace him in every aspect of your life. Free access. Are you doing anything you shouldn't with the temple of God, your body? This is the temple of the Most High God. We need to treat it like it is. What is the Holy Spirit revealing to you about your relationship with God today? What does he say in church? Father, we love you. Thank you for these moments we share together. God, bless your word as it goes forth. Let us receive it from you. Let us embrace your truth and be the church. We love you, God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us today. Reach out to us and let us know how we can help you. May God bless you this week.